Welcome to Building the Future, Freedom, Prosperity, and Foreign Policy, a podcast series focused on updating the United States soft power playbook to meet the hopes and aspirations of developing countries because it's in America's interest to do so. I'm Dan Rundy, Senior Vice President at CSIS. There are a lot of global challenges out there, so let's get started. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Building the Future with Dan Rundy. Today I'm joined by Ambassador Arturo McFields, the former Nicaraguan ambassador to the Organization of American States. Ambassador McFields has spent his career as a journalist and as a Nicaraguan diplomat. He has a bachelor's degree in journalism from the Jesuit Central American University, a master's degree in international relations from the Seneca Institute in Spain, and a separate master's degree in communications at the San Antonio Catholic University of Murcia, Spain. Ambassador McFields joined the Nicaraguan Diplomatic Service in 2011 when he was appointed as a press attaché at the Nicaraguan Embassy in the U.S. He was then appointed as Minister Counselor to the OAS and finally as the permanent representative with rank of ambassador until March of 2022, when he publicly broke with the Ortega regime, calling it a dictatorship and denouncing its many human rights violations, which I was so I was so pleased to see. So Ambassador McFields, thank you very much for joining with us today. It's such an honor, Dan, since I've been attending to the CSIS uh, for a long time, and this is uh, a privilege to be now in participating in this podcast. Well, I'm so pleased to have you. Tell us about your career in diplomacy. How did you become a diplomat? And tell me a little bit about your career. Well, I started working with the Peace Corps of Norway. So that was like my, my first school. And they have this interesting program called South-South. You know, the classic um, Peace Corps thing is like a country from the, from the north. Let's call it in the case of the United States. United States goes to Latin America In the case of Norway, they have this program called South-South, which means a country in the South, like for instance, Nicaragua, can go to another country in the South, like Uruguay. So it doesn't necessarily have to be like like an European or or a U.S. citizen to go to another Latin American country. But the the thing that brings us all together is the same values about uh, peacekeeping, the construction of dialogue, mutual understanding and uh, the respect for the different approach of the different cultures of the of the world. Wow. You came to the U.S. in 2011. Tell us a little bit about your career here in Washington. I came here to work uh, as a press attaché. That was my first post as a diplomat. I remember that Ambassador Campbell said, we want to build a relationship with the United States now they have an Afro-descendant ambassador, which was back in the days of Barack Obama, President Obama. So he said, I am the first Afro-descendant ambassador of Nicaragua. So I want to give this, this embassy like a, new, like a new vision, bring something like the Afro-descendants of Nicaragua to the U.S. So the idea sounds interesting, even though I still have my questions regarding the, the government. At the beginning, in 2007, the Nicaragua regime wasn't like it is right now. They used to have this broad relationship with private sectors, NGOs, and even the international investments were down there from the U.S. and from other countries. That was at the beginning of the whole story. 
What prompted you to break with the regime, which is something I completely agree with? When the 2018 situation like exploded all over, and I was here in the state working at the Nicaragua Embassy in the United States, I was not supposed to have like remarks or saying things about Nicaragua. That was primarily the voice of the ambassador. So I was in a position, even though I feel uncomfortable, I did not defend any position. But still, I feel like I need to do something, but I did not what, what it was. So when I tried to resign, something strange happened. The government invited me to work at the Nicaragua mission to the OAS. And back in the days, they were, they were still talking about these uh, peace talks with the support of the OAS and things like that. So I thought it was kind of a good idea, even though my vision regarding the Nicaragua government was changing especially because after 2018, nothing was ever the same, nothing. So there was this moment when I'm appointed ambassador and I talked to Almagro, secretary general of the OAS, and we were trying to do something like, we, like the Nicaragua government uh, did with the OAS in 2019. That was the release of prisoners. But this time around, things were very complicated because in 2021, the Nicaraguan regime stole the election and put in jail all the participants in the elections. And they were like, we're not just going to stall the election. We're going to put in jail all the individuals participating in the election. That moment, that very moment, I said, I have to do something. And I start working on it till the day I have the best opportunity. Remember, we were coming out from the pandemic and everything. So... When I, when I have this platform as an ambassador, I took the opportunity and, and did one of the craziest things ever at the OAS. There is no record about this at the OAS. I, I denounced the government of Nicaragua and call it a dictatorship in front of the 30, 32 countries present at the, at the Organization of American States. And what was the reaction that people had to your statement at the OAS? It was something that I was not expecting. Because immediately after my statement, the United States, Uruguay, Brazil, Colombia, who back in the days, I mean, just a few months ago in, in, 2000, uh, in 2020, 2022, they have democratic leaders. So all of those countries uh, took, took a position in support of my statement. And I was amazed about it. A couple of hours after that, Secretary Blinken made a statement saying that the United States support my decision and they call Ortega to follow my advice, calling to a change in Nicaragua, a change for the path of democracy, following the path of democracy. And that was it. It's very encouraging that the American government understood what you were doing, what a brave step you were taking. What made you decide to break with your government? What were the specific acts that made you decide to break with your government? It was like a snowball because it was something little, something was growing and growing and growing. And the thing is, I was thinking, if I resign when I am not in an important or relevant position, it won't be, it will be nothing. Nobody will know about it because some of my colleagues at the embassy, they resigned and that was not a headline. Nobody knew about it. The government don't even laugh about it. But when I, when I dropped this bomb in, at the OAS, the government went crazy. They even say 
he never was our ambassador. He never, I mean, he's not working for us since a long time ago. And then they delete all the information all over the official news, the Gazette, and all what they can delete, they delete it. But for some reason, the independent media of my country do the due diligence and they prove that just 48 hours ago, I was representing the government. Even the, the small, medium, and high-level workers of the officials of the government, they were happy about it because I was saying something that they wanted to say, but they can't. And so what is happening now in Nicaragua? Situation got worse and worse. In 2021 was the year where they put in jail all the participants in the, in the election. That was historic because they decided to put everybody in jail. But in 2022 was the year of the religious persecution, the largest religious persecution of the 21st century in Latin America. Because in the previous century was Cuba, the worst situation. But in the 21st century, Ortega unleashed the largest religious freedom persecution of the 21st century in Latin America, putting in jail a dozen of religious leaders, including a bishop. I saw that and it was, uh, it really deeply upset me. And I think that, so if you want to run for president against Daniel Ortega, you if you file the papers, you go to jail. Is that right, Ambassador? Just with expressing your intention. To run for like, office. Yes. Like happened to, let's remember, let's see if I'm not mistaken, Francisco Aguirre, for instance, a former foreign minister of Nicaragua during the 90s, he was in jail just for considering making a, a comment regarding, you know, maybe I should run for president. Maybe I should consider just because, ex because of expressing that, that can put you in jail in Nicaragua. Last November 2022, the Nicaragua regime decided to turn into a one-party country, meaning that we have municipal elections in 153 municipalities and Ortega won 100% of the municipalities. That's, that's something ludicrous because this president doesn't go to a single municipality. He governed from a bunker in Managua, in El Carmen. That makes him kind of different from, from the other dictators like Maduro, and like, like Diaz-Canel that love to travel all over the country and be touched by the people like there were some kind of gods or something. But Ortega, he never comes out from the bunker of Managua. He only moves to the plaza, to the main square, or some strategic places. And the only country that he visits is Cuba, and that's it. What should the U.S. be doing, and what should Friends of Nicaragua be doing for the international community, our message is no more cotton candy sanctions because the regime laugh when they read about a new sanction called cotton candy sanctions because they don't have a larger effect on, the, on, on their pockets. The only thing that the dictatorship of Nicaragua worship and respect more than God is the money. So the international community must target the financial funding, funding for the dictatorship. Because they are still receiving funding from the World Bank, the International Development Bank, from the IMF, and primarily from the Central American Bank of Economic Integration. 
the excuse for all those fundings that Ortega is receiving is that the country needs it for post-pandemic economic recovery. But the only one that is recovering is the dictatorship that is receiving oxygen from the largest multilateral institutions of the world, most of them located in the beautiful city of Washington, D.C. What about Central American Development Bank? What is it called? Um, Bessie or Cabey, Cabey in, in English, Central American Bank for Economic Integration, is the primarily source of funding for Ortega. But it's not just that. It's that Ortega still receives the benefits of a preferential treatment for exports under the free trade agreement. And then you ask yourself, how can a dictatorship that is putting in jail a dozen of religious leaders is still receiving preferential treatment from the most powerful country in the world? Even the ambassador of the dictatorship in Washington has the honor to be called the dean of the Western Hemisphere ambassador of the U.S. So for us, the Nicaraguan people, sometimes that's kind of disappointing. We would like to see more pressure on the dictatorship pockets, meaning loans and funding from the multilaterals, IDB, World Bank, IMF. Well, look, this is very helpful. What are your hopes for the best outcome that could happen in Nicaragua? Well, the most important thing is the release of political prisoners. When I resigned to the, to the government in March of 2022, the country, the country used to have 177 prisoners. Right now we have 235, including the bishops and other religious leaders. And it's a complicated situation because we feel that um, sometimes the U.S. doesn't want to put more pressure on the regime because they are worried about the migration wave. Flash news. Migration wave is already there. So we should put more pressure on the regime and not using the, the worries about migration as an excuse to decrease pressure on the dictatorship. Well, this is great. Ambassador McFields, I really want to thank you for your courage and what you've done. And I'm so pleased to have had you on our podcast today. This is really great. I so appreciate you taking the time. Thank you for, for the opportunity. And Dan, I really wanted to say that Nicaragua is a country that is filled with hope and is hoping to see light at the end of the tunnel. No matter how dark it looks right now, we believe that things are going to change. Last year was a positive news that the U.S. government put sanctions on the business of the Ortega regime. That was one of the most significant actions. And we believe that the U.S. and the international community can do way more on that direction. Thank you for the opportunity, Dan. If you enjoyed this podcast, check out our larger suite of CSIS podcasts from Into Africa, The Asia Chessboard, China Power, AIDS 2020, The Trade Guys, Smart Women, Smart Power, and more. You can listen to them all on major streaming platforms like iTunes and Spotify. Visit csis.org slash podcasts to see our full catalog of 